Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Tonight, we've got actor Lenore Zan on talking all about reprising the role of Rogue in X-Men the Animated Series, her recent film Stage Mothers, and a lot more. Later, we'll be talking with Brett Hoffman and Marcus Theaters as we review The Batman. All that and more, so stand by. We're talking TV, comics and movies, and video games. If you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the big 550 KTRS, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're streaming us out there in the world, hello to you. And if you're watching this on the streams on Instagram, Twitch, or Facebook, or YouTube, hello to all of you and thanks for listening. Very excited for my next guest. Uh, She's someone I've been a fan of for a while. Her list of work is extraordinary. We won't be able to get to all of it uh, in just the short time we've got her, but we're talking right now with the voice of Rogue, Lenore Zan. How are you? Hello there, James. I'm doing very well, thank you. And how's everybody doing in your world? So far, so good. I can't complain (laughs) too much. Uh, As much as things are going out there in the world, uh, things are also, it could be, uh, I always say it could be worse, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, it's a pleasure to be here and great to talk with you. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. Uh, It's amazing when you think about it, and we'll kind of start with X-Men, that the the fan outcry, they put it on Disney Plus as soon as the service launched, and it was the most watched series on Disney Plus at the time. People love X-Men, and I know you've recently done some conventions with a lot of the crew. Uh, You were there with uh, George and Cal, and obviously Eric and Julia still do the conventions. So as an actor... Yeah, 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 Chris Potter. Yeah, I mean, the whole group. Of course, we got to leave. We can't leave Gambit out. Of course not. (laughs) But when you've got all that love from the fans for that series, that's got to be an amazing feeling for you as an actor. It is. I mean, we uh, had not known how how popular the show was really until the last couple of years. We were kept in the dark. You know, it's odd, but when we finally started going to Comic-Cons, and we really only got to a few before COVID shut everything down, um, we were shocked and amazed at how the fans reacted to us and how much they told us that we had really changed their lives and helped them feel that it's okay to be different and it's okay to be who you are and to sort of like grab that and appreciate it and run with it instead of trying to hide who you who you really are and and that really really touched a lot of us and made us want to get out and meet more of the fans and talk to more people and uh when we did los angeles we did the the comic con in la there were like a hundred thousand people there we we were we were just bowled over so yeah it's great and we look forward to getting back on the circuit again uh, as soon as COVID allows us to, we're, we're really looking forward to that. I know a lot of the conventions are starting to fire back up. I know I'll be doing a Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. Uh, obviously here we've got Fan Expo St. Louis and I think Terrific Con. Do you have any cons slated right now for 2022? Well, uh, tell them to bring us in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because we'd love, we'd love to come. Uh, at this point, I know I'm going to be going to, I believe, Iowa okay. in uh, June, but that's the only one that I know of currently. But, you know, X- X-Men will be a release. The new X-Men 97 will be released in 2023 sometime. So we know that 
that year, p- people are going to want us to come to the Comic-Cons. And, and we'd like to get in as many as we can before that as well. So spread the word that the X-Men, uh, they want to come in town and we want to see you. And I know I was looking over the cast list, and you've got several of you who are returning. Obviously, Cal Dodd's back as Wolverine. Uh, George Buzz is back as the Beast. Catherine Disher is back as Jean Grey. Chris Potter, we mentioned Gambit. And, of course, uh, Allison Seeley Smith is back as Storm. And they've had some new people on there who are obviously familiar to voice actors, J.P. Karliak, uh, Jennifer Hale. But they didn't list their roles. I'm assuming that's still kind of being kept under wraps because you're still listed as pre-production. You're still doing recording your episodes and everything like that. But that's got to be nice to have some familiar faces back, but also you've got some new players to kind of play with. So that's got to be a nice mix. It's fantastic. And, you know, uh, this time around, the one thing that's different is we're doing our recordings separately in whatever cities we Mm. are in. Whereas when we first started in X-Men, you probably heard the stories. We were all in one studio in Toronto and so it was like a, a radio drama in that we would come in, we would sit down, we would read the script, read it through once, and then we'd go in and record it. And we'd be able to see each other and yeah. hear each other in the in the booth. Well, that's not happening this time. Mm. Uh, and I, I did manage to do some scene work with one of my scene partners, but for, by and large, I'm on my own. Mm. Not that that's, I mean, I don't have a problem with that in the sense that I have a large imagination, and so <laughs> I can imagine, you know, I, what it's like. Uh, but but that is different this time, and we are because of COVID. You know, people oh, sure. have gotten used to the idea of of recording people in different sets and different areas. But you know, but not all of us are going to be playing the same characters. So that's one thing um, that that we should keep in mind that oh. there are new people. Some of them may be playing other characters and some of the older people may be playing other characters. Mm. So I'm not allowed to say who's doing what. All I can tell you is I'm playing Rogue and that's that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's what we like to hear. As long as long as we have Rogue and Wolverine and Gambit, that's that's uh, that's the Didn't main thing. It. And Definitely. we had um, one of our show, we've got some sponsors. One of us is a comic book show, uh, store that sponsors our show. And Larry Quiggins, the owner, said he was not really, he could have taken or left Rogue. But when this series came out, your voice, he was like, that's that's really great. I didn't picture her like that before. But he's wow. ga- he's gained an appreciation for Rogue. And this guy, he's he's he goes back to comic books like he's got a 60s collection of X-Men and everything. So you turned him on to the character of Rogue and made him really appreciate the character. So that's, again, kudos that's to you and your work. Compliment. I Well, please tell him thank you, or I'll say thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad you liked my rendition. And, uh, you know, I brought to Rogue myself. I brought my own pain and my own experiences and my own joys and fears and um, what makes me tick. I brought all of that to the role. And so... Rogue it really is. She's like me, only, man, she's a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> well, not to, not, I wouldn't cut yourself short because you do a lot of work as well. I would say superhero could yeah. be applied to you, I could think. <laughs> In some ways. I, I can't pick up buildings and throw them or anything like that, but I, I can do a lot of other stuff. That is true. And we, one of the movies that you'd mentioned when we were talking about having you on the show, Stage Mother, what a delightful movie. I mean, that's uh, the first of all, the cast that you had on that we had Jackie Weaver, yep. Lucy Liu, Adrian Grenier. But what a, it's one of those kind of a surprising movie. I didn't ex- know what yep. to expect, but talk mm-hmm. a little bit about working on that film if you could. Yeah, no, I, I love Jackie Weaver. Um, she's Australian, and so am I. And you couldn't tell it from the characters that we play because we, <laughs> we both play. Americans and Texans, you know. So in in Stage Mother, we played sisters uh, from a little Texas town, little Bible-thumping town, and uh, my older sister finds out that um, her son has passed and uh, that she has been left by him what turns out to be a drag bar (laughs) in San Francisco. And so we go off to San Francisco, uh, her first, and then I come in later. And uh, it's all about how those two worlds can collide, but how 
everybody really is looking to belong. We're looking for love. We're looking to be accepted. <laughs> and it, it's a delightful and it's a poignant movie. And I, I just think that, that Tom Fitzgerald, the, the guy who directed it, who lives in Nova Scotia, but he's American, did a fantastic job. And it's won a bunch of awards. It's streaming. So if you get a chance, do see it called Stage Mother. I think I think you'll just love it. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You there's, just don't don't just don't mess your mascara. Right. We, <laughs> there's a lot of layers because it's kind of that fish out of water story, but then it's about that family, the the mother's love for a son, and it just it plays on so many different levels. What a joy that must have been to act in that kind of a project. It truly was. It truly was. And and the interesting thing was when I did that movie, at the time I was already a uh, an elected official, which some of the viewers may already know that about me that I. For the last 12 years, I've been an elected um, representative in government mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, so for 10 years, I was a state official or province, as we call it here. So like a congresswoman. And that's what I was doing at that time. So to Mondays till Fridays, I was in my suit, you know, with my glasses there in the, the legislative <laughs> assembly of Nova Scotia, you know. And then on the weekends, I was off being this uh, carefree uh, actress in this movie about drag queens. It was it was incredibly fun. I was going to say, because that's got to be, I can't imagine, uh, to my knowledge anyway, U.S. politicians having a, you know, a second job <laughs> as an actor. That It's so cool that you're able to do both. But I, I, some of our politicians could be termed as actors. You never know. Yeah, there you go. But, that but, uh, but that, that's, that's, that's got to be a hard schedule to juggle, I would think. Yeah, although it was fun because I, I made sure that it didn't get in my acting, didn't get in the way of my real job. And so I did it on the weekends, as I said, and, and on my days off. So in some ways, it was a relief. It was an, mm. a way to like let off some steam and get my creative juices going again. Because really, once an artist, always an artist. Right. I think a lot of people out there will, will relate to that. And so I would do things like that. The other thing I did a lot of, too, as a politician was in my spare time, I produced and directed uh, Shakespearean plays in the mm. park for the community with teenagers from the local high schools and oh, junior neat. high school. Um, and I would do musicals as well. I did one that was in French and English because, of course, we have two languages sure. here in Canada. And, and I did a bunch of other Broadway musicals. And I found, again, that it, it was a way for me to get in with my community and work with my community and help guide young people to realize that there is more to life than what it seems when you're from a small town in a rural area, that maybe you might want to be involved in the arts. Maybe yeah. you might want to be into movies and television and radio or, or plays and theater or ballet, dance. And so for me, it was a way of um, not only expressing my own joy and my own uh, fun in the arts with others, but also to give others the opportunity to experience it and have fun too. And plus the, the community loved it. Yeah. That's one of the things, I mean, what got us through the past two years, it was the arts as people stayed home and watched sure. these things on streaming services and were able to view plays, Hamilton going on to Disney plus so people could yeah. enjoy that, things like that. So yeah, so that's it. That one, I, I can't wait to see that. I just joined Disney Plus myself. Oh, cool! So. Yeah. yeah, so you got to get, you got to because you're going to have to go back and stream all the episodes that you were in, so you <laughs> get caught back up. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And for those of you listening uh, to the Big 550 KTRS, we are talking to Lenore Zan. Uh, we're going to take a very quick commercial break. We're going to come right back and chat with her a little bit more about reprising the role of Rogue, some of her other voice roles that I'd like to talk about as well. All that and more. You're listening to geek to me Radio. Stay tuned. Hey, you guys, this is Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And after we've kicked Shredder's butt, we all get down in the sewer and we listen to geek to me Radio. Turtle power! We're back. geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. I'm your host, James Enstall. We've got my guest, Lenore Zan, with us for about another 10 or 12 minutes or so. And I know you also voiced uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle character, not one of Rob Paulson's uh, one with him on, but you were a voice of, uh, I believe it was Chikara Shisho, one of the, one of the uh, what was it, a triumvirate of martial arts masters. 
Yes, yes, I did that one when I was living in New York. Loved it. Loved New York and loved doing that show as well. And I, I talked to you right as we were at commercial break. You heard Rob. I, I don't, I'm not going to have a chance to get one from you after the show, but I would love it because you're my first X-Men animated series. Guess we had Larry Houston, but I didn't get a chance to get one from him before we left. So before I forget, if you could give me one of those return liners, it's just, hi, this is Lenore Zan, the voice of Rogue, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. Of course. Well, hi there, sugar. This is Lenore Zan, Rogue, and I am coming to you from geek to me Radio. Perfect. One and done. We got it. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. And we talked about Turtles. Uh, some of the other, you've gotten another one of my favorite cartoons when I was getting, uh, you know, into the, the, the medium was Avengers United We Stand. Another Marvel character you got to voice was Tigra. Yeah. Yeah. And right. you always worked with these great casts. I know uh, between Stormhawks, Dragon Tales, one of the ones, someone had posted it on Twitter when I said I was going to have you on. I didn't recognize it. My niece is always begging me to get more into anime and manga, but it's from Outlaw Star, which is anime is widely popular, but this is a very popular uh, series and a very popular character that you played. Yep. Aisha Clan Clan. Uh, she was fun. She, oh my gosh, that, that girl screams. She screams all <laughs> the time. <laughs> People ask me if Rogue was hard to do with all the screams. I'm like, nope, that was a piece of cake. But Chikara, Chikara I mean, but, but uh, Aisha Clan Clan, whoa. Yeah. That one was at the top of my range constantly, but she was fun. It looked she was, I, she's I, a bit like she's a bit like Tigra. She's a bit like Tigra in that when she gets mad or she eats, she turns into this tiger woman that's like unstoppable. Yeah, she's she's a lot of fun. <laughs> I believe, and again, I always ask the actor I'm talking to because sometimes IMDb gets it wrong. Your very first voiceover role was very popular, Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, you played Crowley Heyman in that. Yeah, that was one of them. I, I mean, I did a whole whack of them at one time, um, just one after the other. But if you look at them, I did different ones in different cities. Mm -hmm. So I was moving around and I started off in Toronto. Then I went to LA and then I went to Vancouver. Then I went back to LA and then I went to New York. Wow. And so you'll see that there, there, there are a bunch of shows that were done in each of those cities. And, and that's why, that's why I was in them. Cause I was living in those different cities. It was great. I, I loved every minute of it. Um, and now that I'm doing X-Men again, X-Men 97, part of the deal in my contract was that I asked that I be able to do the, do my role in whatever city I'm, I happen to be in. And they said, yes. So right now I'm doing it in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I've never had the chance to visit Nova Scotia, but I've, I've just, just the pictures, it looks beautiful. I mean, I, I, that's one of the places I've always wanted to go and visit. Yeah, it is. It's lots of white, beautiful sandy beaches and um, lobster, <laughs> lots of great <laughs> lobster, um, and just a really laid back, kick back attitude. Lots of fiddle music. Um, I have a lot of musician friends. I sing. Oh, nice. So you know, uh, yeah, it, it, it's nice. I moved back home to be close to my family because my parents are getting older. My sister had sure. some young kids and I just wanted to be close to family, but you know, I'll be branching out again and I'll be, I'll be coming back to the States and going across Canada again. And I'm looking forward to that as well. And my acting career, obviously that, that keeps me moving as well. So now that I'm back into doing that, I'll be, I'll be moving around. Um, I am doing another movie right now here in yeah. Nova Scotia uh, called, it's called the Madones. Hmm. Uh, and I can't talk too much about it at the moment, but just let's just say that I play a, a rock and roller who's looks, she, she's a bit like Deborah Harry from, um, from Blonde. Yeah. Look it up younger kids, but <laughs> she was a great rock and roller. And, and I play that kind of character who blows blows into the small little town and all hell breaks loose basically call me by blondie is one of my go-to karaoke songs so i gotta say yeah (laughs) and talking about rock people one of your very early acting jobs if i'm not mistaken you played marilyn monroe uh in a rock version kind of a rock opera type uh on stage so talk a little bit about that experience 
Yeah, that was, I was uh, 19 when I was chosen to play Marilyn Monroe. Uh, and um, it was a rock opera, all sung, no dialogue. A kind of, so like, if you think about Evita, you know, mm -hmm. the musical Evita that Madonna did, it, it's, it was like that. And it was my very first starring role. I had done a lot of smaller roles already since I was about 17. I became a, a professional actor. Um, but Marilyn was my big breakout point. And uh, it was a cast of 25 people, huge orchestra. And uh, out to be honest, at the time, the, the guy that was directing it, who was an older British director who'd done like Oliver on the West mm. End in London and Broadway, uh, behind everybody's backs, he came on to me uh, in the, in the building where we were all like staying and it turned out to be a major sexual harassment that happened Oof. like going, but I was young. And at that time there was nowhere to really go or people to tell. And I, I didn't know how to handle it. So I went out and I bought myself an engagement ring. And I told everybody that my boyfriend back at home in Nova Scotia had sent it to me by mail and that I was now engaged. I mean, I went that far. I spent a whole paycheck on this ring to try and get this guy off of me. And and he was a beast. And I ended up having to direct myself, basically, mm. in this show. And here I was, this young 19-year-old from Truro, Nova Scotia, who never starred in anything before. But when the audience rose to their feet on opening night and gave me a standing ovation, like a thousand people or whatever, I knew that one was for me. <laughs> it was for me, for all the work I had done and all the shit I had put up with. And I'll tell you, um, it, it, it made me a star overnight in Canada. Suddenly I was getting movie offers, television offers, you name it. And what it taught me was that no matter what happens, I I just have to rely on my own strengths and my own um, instincts about a role because because if I do that and I believe in myself, I'll be able to to be able to perform uh, in a way that the audience will relate to and will enjoy. But I'll tell you what, what you know, baptism by fire. No kidding. That was my first big break. Wow. Mm. And I know you've yep. done stage. Uh, you did a show uh, that I know it's listed in your IMDb thing at the uh, in Chicago. You've obviously done yeah. voice work. You've done live acting performance as well. Every actor I've talked to, no matter what they do, if they got their start in theater, they always have that. I love performing in front of a live group. So and and now you're you, like you said uh, last segment, teaching other kids and working with kids in the Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's again something that's never left you. Exactly, and musicals, you know. Uh, but yeah, I love performing live, but I also love doing film and television. Um, and I love voice. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love just being able to communicate through the voice and use my imagination to make people lis just listen to it and hear exactly what is happening. So when I get a direction like, okay, Rogue, you're flying through the air, you get hit by an optic blast, ugh, you know, now you're being <laughs> thrown around and, oh, my God, storm has whipped up a, a cyclone. Now you're stuck in the cyclone. You're going around and around and down. You know, how does, how does that sound, right? How do you make your voice sound to do that and then push back up and then punch, a, you know, punch something in the face and off they go? I mean, it, it's it's fun it's like being a child again and uh being paid for it yeah that's a great way to put it i mean it's it's all make believe and like you said at the very beginning you've got a great imagination so that can only help especially when you're doing and obviously we talked about doing the voice across and you're able to see the other people like you're able to see you know uh, uh you know allison across from you in the booth and you're able to get that. Right. It's obviously a lot harder to do it when you're just on your own and everything. I know a lot of voice actors we've talked to recently have said that's one of the big things they do miss is having that interaction with the actor across from them, being able to see them react in yeah. the booth. So, but uh, yeah, you know, you so like it's on. it's nice to be back on set again now, acting with another actor. <laughs> you right. know? So we can actually see each other. You know, you. Put the masks on when you're in between scenes and everything, but then when you're in the scene, you're there. Yeah, you know, it it it's great. There's nothing like it. And I know you said you're currently filming the movie. If it's just currently filming, I assume after post production, will it be out by the end of 2022? 
it'll be up by 2023. Okay, so, 2023. Okay, you know, so I would imagine, and uh, it has uh, already. It, it has the money. It will be shown in different film festivals, and it will. It has broadcast rights already. Um, wow. They've got they've got everything they need, and so we're looking at basically 2023. And so I'm thinking, man, you know, 2023 is going to be a big year for me. I'd you know, say. I'll have, I'll have the Disney Plus animated series coming out. Plus, I'll have the movie going around to film festivals, and I'll be traveling with with the movie and also going to different comic cons so it should be a really great year and and getting to see as many people as possible especially post covid right exactly we can actually be able to hug people again when we see them and everything yeah. like that it'll be so nice yeah. Absolutely. And, That's exactly right. And I know there's so many people excited about uh, the series coming back and about a lot of the cast like yourself and Cal coming back and everything like that. We did have one of our Twitter uh, listeners asked because they, they were going through comic books. And this is from the the Dear Watchers podcast. There's a what if comic book that Rogue ends up getting the power of Thor. So I got to ask you as Rogue, if you had the power of Thor, God of Thunder, what would you do? Oh, my God. Can I have Thor too? <laughs> as as a sidekick? <laughs> well, you could call it that. Sure, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I wrote to, I think I put it on on Twitter when you when you did all that. I think I tweeted. I said I had the biggest crush on Thor when I was a kid. I loved Thor. Thor was my favorite. Um but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I already have the same uh, energy level and uh, and strength as Thor. I don't really need his hammer, but you know, I'll take it. If, yeah. if I'll take, I'll take it. You can use it as a nice paperweight, if nothing else, right? <laughs> you know, like yeah. <laughs> and I know we're coming up to the. I don't want to keep you because it's a couple hours ahead where you are in Nova Scotia, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. But let people know if no they're worries. listening right now where they can find you online and keep up with your social media handles and websites and things like that. Sure. Yeah. If they want to reach me, just uh, contact me through Twitter is the best way at Zan Lenore, and you spell it Z A N N L E N O R E. So Twitter is the best way, and Instagram it's at Lenore Zan. Or you can follow me on Facebook. Same name. There's really only one of me. And uh, I love conversing with the fans. Uh, so just, you know, follow me up, hit me up, and let's chat. And thank you so much for following us and being such big supporters of X-Men. We love you, and we love our X-Men community. And thank you for and all the work you do. you love the new show. You're going to love the new show. I I'm do. I very excited. Like I, I think awesome. Twitter went wild when they found out that it was being brought back. So, uh, like I said, you've had an impact upon a lot of people. The your work you've done, both politically and the work you're doing uh, as an actor in your voice role. So, thank you for your time tonight. Uh, thank I you. Appreciate it. And as you said, there's only one Lenore Zan. I will agree with you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Sugar. And you look about as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I love it. Thank you for your time, Lenore Zan. We appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you on again very soon. I'll see you the next time for sure. Thank you. Take care. Bye, y'all. There she goes, Lenore Zan. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We are going to come back, and we've got the director of marketing for Marcus Theater's Brett Hoffman on. But before we go to break, we're going to do a quick uh, let you know about our premier sponsor, the City of St. Charles, the Greater St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. You know them by the website discoverstcharles.com. And if you go to the website, you'll see it's a gorgeous website. Uh, they've got videos of all the things you can do. It's going to make you yearn for spring when the weather is getting a little warmer. And you can check that out. Uh, there's always something going on. If you look it up under the events list, there are festivals. There is a food truck festival, which I try to stay clear from or at least not put too much time in because I've already gained the COVID-20. But I don't want to. Uh, obviously, I'm a foodie. But there's uh, things like that are always going on. There's all sorts of places up and down to eat to shop, to check out. If you're a history buff, this is a great place to go visit. If you're just yearning to get someplace, maybe you're not in the greater St. Louis, St. Charles area, or you're watching us on Instagram or on YouTube or on Twitch, and you want to put someplace new on your bucket list to go check out, 
Come check out St. Charles. Lots of places to stay to accommodate any budget, any style. You can go to the website, discoverstcharles.com, and plan your whole trip right from there. Very proud to have them as our premier sponsor. Once again, the website, discoverstcharles.com. As we always say, it's an historically good time. We're going to take another quick commercial break. We're going to come right back in just one minute, talking with Brett Hoffman all about the Batman. So stand by. Hi, this is David Mazouz, and you're listening to geek to me Radio. We are back. geek to me Radio live every Sunday here on the Big 550 KTRS. And one of our sponsors, as you know, if you've listened to the show before, you know Marcus Theaters. We always say it's the best movie-going experience in the galaxy. And if you've had a chance to see Batman at a Marcus Theater, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And right now, my next guest is the director of marketing for Marcus Theaters, Mr. Brett Hoffman, uh, the guy who knows more about movies than I could ever hope to forget. Brett, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, James. Thanks for having me on tonight. Thanks for being on. Obviously, this was a big deal. Uh, The Batman, everyone was, I mean, people were all over the board. As a fan, I said last week, I said, this is the first Batman movie that's been out that I wasn't sure about whether or not I would end up liking but the whole thing, Matt Reeves, uh, Robert Pattinson, obviously Jeffrey Wright, Zoe Kravitz, they made me a believer. Yeah, they made me a believer, too. And and what I really liked about this one was they didn't play it safe. It was the reintroduction of a character that we've seen before. But this is a different type of Batman film. And I think that's what made it be embraced by so many people this weekend. It just came in and it made $128 million domestically. And it certainly is. Well, that's the second biggest post-pandemic opening. It's just behind Spider-Man, obviously. But it did a great job at the box office. And I think that's attributable to it is really a bold and visually stunning movie and should really be celebrated for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Joey V, my executive producer, and I were talking before the show started, and I was looking at the numbers. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home opening weekend did $260 million. Uh, Batman Worldwide's got two hundred, almost $249 million, so not a bad, like you said, post-pandemic opening weekend. But I think the reason Spider-Man had that bit more of a drive is because it's interconnected into the web of the MCU. It's the third Spider-Man movie in this trilogy that kind of been building up. And there was that hope that we'd see all these other people. So I'm not going to say, oh, well, Batman didn't do as well. Spider-Man had a lot of stuff going for it that this fresh Batman movie didn't have. Yeah, you have to look at them as two different movies. And of course, the way this Batman is shot, it's a very dark look at this character and isn't exactly for everyone. Uh, There are people that maybe for a middle schooler, I wouldn't necessarily bring a fifth grader to the Batman movie, the way that it's shot dark, the way that there's some violence in it. Spider-Man is a little more palatable for people, but let's, let's not look at those negatives. Let's take a look at a Batman movie that really took a chance, that really rolled the dice here and just absolutely performed and made it another great reason to come to a theater to see this type of a thing on screen. Because I think one of the things for me that was the most visually stunning about this movie is that it is actually one of the darkest films that I can say I've seen in recent memory. And I'm not just talking about the story and the characters. It's that the film's physical lighting is so dark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Matt Reeves kind of takes us to Gotham's underbelly, and it's a certain place where the sun never shines, at least for the two hours and 56 minutes that we saw on screen. I don't think I saw a ray of sunshine in this movie, but that really contributes to what I believe the best compliment of the film is. I was unnerved the whole time. It was unsettling the whole entire time and really kept you on your toes because you really didn't know what was going to happen. And it had that great film noir kind of detective feel that Matt Reeves and everyone behind this picture were going for. I think that aesthetically, to me, one of my very favorite comic book movies ever is The Crow from 1994. And that was another one where it's constantly raining. It's constantly dark. It had that same aesthetic, which appealed to me personally, because I thought it fits with the Batman. It fits with Gotham City. Um, I said in my review that where the Christopher Nolan had that grounded in reality comic book feel, but it had kind of a gloss to it. This there's no gloss to this at all. It's grim. It's gritty. And it reminded me of the 1970s detective comics era when Steve Englehart was the writer and Marshall Rogers is the artist. It had that aesthetic, which really appealed to me. 
Yeah, people are really going to enjoy this one. And the other thing that really made it, along with the lighting, really made you feel like you're transported into this underbelly of Gotham was the soundtrack. Mm. I mean, this guy, Michael Gilacchino, he's the composer. If he doesn't sound familiar, I can assure you that everyone has heard about him. He was Oscar nominated for Ratatouille, won an Oscar for Up, but he has worked on Jurassic World, The Incredibles. Mm. He was doing Spider-Man. Um, Doctor Strange, Rogue One, countless other things that this guy has done. This soundtrack and, and score really lends itself because it gets the right emotion out of you and that feeling at the right time. So just the film is very stylistic, both visually and with sound, along with all the other great performances that were in the movie. I mean, I just think this was a home run in terms of what they were trying to do and the type of emotion they were trying to get you and I as audience members to feel. One of the things that people were very nervous about, and I kept seeing memes of it, was Robert Pattinson, the guy from Twilight, is playing Bruce Wayne. And I said, no, this guy is playing Bruce Wayne. It had pictures of all these other great roles that Robert Pattinson has been in, from The Lighthouse to Tenet. Uh, he's a great actor. And I, I've always said, and I just brought up this point with a friend of mine uh, Saturday, anybody can put on the cape and cowl and play Batman. Playing Bruce Wayne is the hard part. And for me, Pattinson was great as Batman, but his Bruce Wayne didn't sit well with me. It felt a little, uh, at times when the cufflink scene with Alfred, a little petulant, um, a little emo. But again, I understand this is a different take on Bruce Wayne. What was your take on Pattinson's uh, job in this movie? Well, first off, I really thought he did a great job. I think he's really branching out. I think his days of Edward are behind him. They're part of him. They're part of his history as an actor, but... When I saw him in Tenant, I really saw an actor that had really broken out. And it's funny because he was working for Chris Nolan, who also <laughs> was involved in the Batman. Um, I just think Tenant will be a movie that we talk about for years to come and will have kind of its second coming in terms of people talking about it yeah. as a movie. Because I don't think it got the recognition it reserved because of the time it was released in the fall of 2020. Mm. But if you're looking at what he did as Batman, I think he's a great actor. Um, you know, part of what I think you saw when he was Bruce Wayne is this was a Batman and a Bruce Wayne, both of them that are kind of not comfortable in their own skin. And they're kind of learning how to deal with each other, both as Bruce Wayne and both as Batman. And to tell you the truth, I thought he nailed that part of being both Bruce Wayne and Batman. And I thought that was one of the most interesting things because this series has a lot of room to grow and the characters, both his portrayal of Bruce and his portrayal of Batman have room to grow. Um, one of the best things that I saw was this wasn't an invincible superhero that you saw. And also he wasn't necessarily the smartest guy in the room at all times, right? which I thought made it a little bit interesting. And that was just my take on it. I can see where you're coming from where, uh, he definitely was not the most confident Bruce Wayne that we've seen. It's definitely a different take on this movie than we've ever seen before. Yeah, and again, I, I gave. I'm not saying it was a bad thing. It just it wasn't kind of what I was wanting. But again, this is early days, like Batman Year 1.5. Mm -hmm. We still have Lieutenant Gordon Jeffrey Wright. He's an, mm -hmm. even commissioner yet. Uh, he's kind of still finding his way, which I'm fine with. And obviously, I think what Matt Reeves was going for is this is a little more broken. Batman. He's not the 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 debonair playboy millionaire by day and dark vigilante by night yet. He's still trying to find that. So again, I give him a pass. I'm not going to hold that as a, well, the movie's rubbish because of Bruce Wayne. But uh, another thing that I liked was Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman. I put a picture on my review. If you go to geektomeradio.com, for those of you listening and watching, uh, you can see my full review there. But she looks like she stepped right out of the pages of the Ed Brubaker and Darwin Cook series of 2001 perfect Catwoman, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that was necessary because we just talked about the fact that this was kind of a, a Batman in his sophomore year, and he doesn't get through the movie. The movie isn't the movie without Zoe Kravitz's performances at, as Catwoman. I mean, basically, the film could have actually been called Batman and Catwoman, technically. You could have called it something like that just because of her involvement yeah. in this movie and what she did to move the story along. I mean... I want to see more of Zoe Kravitz after this performance. And I think everyone that saw the movie this weekend, which was a lot of people are saying the same things. 
And one of the things that's great about the Batman is we've got 80 years of stories. You could do, you know, the Tim Sale uh, Batman when in Rome featuring Catwoman. Uh, there's and the th- the fact that Matt Reeves really pulled in some stuff like from the Batman. Uh, Earth One, where Martha Wayne was originally Martha Arkham, which I was like, that's not right. But then I'm like, oh, yeah, that was from a story. So Matt Reeves did his homework. He pulled in a lot of things from various outstanding Batman stories to make this movie, which I really appreciated. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in this one that I think that was different than people have seen before in a Batman. And I really wanted to ask you, James, because I'll tell you what I really liked was the use of the villains. There were three distinct villains in this movie. Uh, there was Colin Farrell's Penguin. There was Paul Dano as the Riddler. And then there was John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. He was a mob boss in the film. Um, I really enjoyed the use of the fact that while the most prolific was Riddler, but all three of them had their place and neither one of them necessarily dominated the whole entire movie. But what did you think of those portrayals on your end? Yeah, I like that we didn't go because I feel like the Superman films is one of my big complaints. Always Lex Luthor. The villain's always been Lex Luthor and the Christopher Reeves. And I feel like we don't need Joker constantly being the villain either. So I was glad to see him use the Riddler. Penguin, Colin Farrell, first of all, unrecognizable. You would not have known that was Colin Farrell had you not seen his name on the credits as Penguin. Um, But he had that perfect middle act with the big car chase, which was really well staged. And then, obviously, you've got John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. So it's old-school Gotham mob was one of the villains, which I like that. Again, we're early days Batman. I feel the, they didn't need to rush, okay, let's get Joker in there. Where's Scarecrow? Where's Mr. Freeze? They kind of took their time, and I like the— uh, we. Speaking about taking their time, it was a three-hour movie, but the pacing never felt like— I'm not looking at my watch going, okay, that would have been a good stopping point. What are you doing? Yeah, and if you want me to be honest, yeah, I could see it might have been a tad too long. However, at no point did I have one of those let's move it and land the plane moments that I do when I watch some three-hour films. Yeah. So for me, I thought it moved along well. Yeah, they could have shaved 10 or 15 minutes, but I'm not going to argue about that one, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I, I will say I'd give it to him, too, because it was a deliberate film. Like, there's there's slow parts, but they're meant to be slow to build the suspense and let us know that we're watching a detective movie. This isn't, again, that's going to be something that I've always wanted to see more of is the detective side of Batman. And we really got to see that with his locating clues, like when he was in the uh, the first murder victim's apart- apartment and he looks down in the corner, realizes, oh, I missed that and goes and takes a picture of the blood spatter that Batman immediately caught. So I did enjoy that. Um, We have to hit another break. You're okay to stick with us till the end of the show. Yes. I'm great. Sounds good. Okay, perfect. We're going to take one more break. We're going to come right back. We're going to continue chatting the Batman. We'll get into a little of our Oscar show because we're going to have Brett on in just two weeks to discuss Oscars in depth. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. You're listening to geek to me radio right here on the big five fifty KTRS. This is Ed Asner, and you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. I can't tell you how exhausting it's been humoring this geek. He is terribly costly and time-consuming. I ask for mercy, and there is none to be had with this geek. We are back on Geek to Me Radio. Ed Asner, who obviously voiced Roland Daggett in the original Batman, the animated series, and who we just sadly lost last year. Uh, great interview. If you check out geek2meradio.com, you can see my interview with the great Ad Asner. Want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. Go to the website, bugscomicsandgames.com. You can check out the back issues they have up for sale. You can join their Avengers Club, which I know with the inflation going on and the gas prices going up, if you can save money anywhere, it's a good thing. And one of the places you can save money is Bugs Comics by joining their Avengers Club. You start earning discounts towards new comics, back issues, merchandise and supplies, games, and all sorts of other things. Plus, it's just a great place to visit because Larry, the owner, is very good about when people come in. I've seen it time and time again. They'll come in with little kids. You know, what are you looking for? Well, he likes Spider-Man. And Larry will get in there. I'm like, okay, what type of Spider-Man? And they'll kind of work with him. And, okay, here's some in my $2 
box that you've got some older Spider-Man comics. You want something new? Here's what we have here. So it's almost like having a personal comic concierge, if you will. Uh, check them out on the website as well. Give their Facebook page a like. They just opened less than a year ago, and it's always important to support small businesses. So make sure you check them out. BugsComicsAndGames.com is the website. Bugs Comics and Games on Facebook. Very proud to have them as the official comic book store here on geek to me radio and of course you've heard me each week talk about our official movie sponsor marcus theaters we've got brett hoffman on the director of marketing for marcus talking about the batman and our thoughts on that before we get back into batman though i know we're gonna have you on in just two more weeks pre-oscars talk so we can kind of get in the nitty-gritty about all that but kind of give people a little bit of a teaser about what you think about oscars week and everything coming up yeah we're gonna be back on march 20th but the oscars are sunday march 27th uh, at Marcus Theaters, we're going to bring back all the best picture winners from March 11th through March 27th, where all showings will be $5. So we're very excited about that. So check that out. But this is really interesting, James, because there's 9,500 voting members of the Academy. They're going to make their choices. And right now, it's probably not all about necessarily the best movie, but a key thing to remember about during Oscar season, that momentum and buzz are really a key to how voting occurs mm -hmm. and what eventually does win. And that's because, in this case, the Academy hasn't even voted yet. They haven't, haven't even started voting. Huh. On March 17th, the final voting opens, and it is a short window because on March 22nd, the final voting closes. So take a look at that if you're into this. Watch different film critics. Watch Deadline. Watch Hollywood Reporter. See what people are saying about Momentum. Because you can see things change, just like in politics leading up to the weeks before the election. The same thing is true for how the Academy votes. So I am really excited to get on with you on the 20th and talk about that. Uh, my preview right now is I think Coda for Best Picture has the momentum right now. But that could all change. Yeah. I think there's Will Smith and Benedict Cumberbatch in terms of Best Actor. It's probably neck and neck between those two. And it's probably neck and neck between Jessica Chastain and Kristen Stewart when it comes to Best Actress. But again, that could all change. So yeah. I'm not going to give anyone my final recommendations until uh, we get to the 20th when I could be a little more solidified in how the momentum is shifting. But I look forward to getting on and talking to you about that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's always exciting when Oscar season rolls around. And uh, we have uh, in the chats right now, Chance Bartel said uh, Brett really knows his stuff, which I would agree with you, Chance. Brett definitely does. Uh, Joey V, uh, he's a big movie reviewer. He's my executive producer. He always looks at movies and everything like that. And I know, Joey, do you have uh, any indication as to what you think? What's your favorite for Best Picture right now? Well, if you look at all the movies that come out in the pandemic, there's some small ones that are just two people in a room talking, you know, what they can get away with to save some money because of all the COVID protocols. If you see Dune, that is a movie. That is what you go to the theaters for. And Dune blew me away. And you need to see it on the big screen when they bring it back. So, I mean, that's the only one that has my heart because it is what you want to see at a Marcus Theater on the big screen. Explosions, yeah. characters, uh, special effects, big ships. I'm all in on Dune. Dune, all right. We'll, uh, we'll be interested to see. And, of course, uh, Brett and I will get deep into our picks on the 20th, if you're listening right now, tune back in on the 20th. We'll get into Oscar stuff. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, we've got about a minute left. Uh, final takeaway thoughts on The Batman, Brett. You know, this is a movie that needs to be watched on the big screen. If you were on the fence about going to see this picture, I hope that you and I have talked enough to anyone out there to say, go give this one a shot. What Matt Reeves has done has been absolutely tremendous. Um I'm really on the fence because obviously I loved The Dark Knight and mm -hmm. everyone should because it's a stellar movie. But this is a different movie. And I can tell you, I am just really excited. And I guess a little disappointed that I have to wait a few years to see the <laughs> next one come out with Robert Pattinson. So go see it on the biggest screen. Take it in there. The soundtrack, the feel, everything. It deserves to be seen in a, in a big screen. And you don't want to wait until this one streams. Go out and at least see it once in the big screen, and you'll find out everything that we're talking about with this picture. Yeah, I'm going to probably drag my wife out and either see it at the Chesterfield uh, location of Marcus, or we might hit up Ronnie's. We'll see which one uh, which one has a showing that best fits our time. Tell people where they can keep up with you online, Brett, and everything like that. Oh, sure. Go check out Marcus Theaters at MarcusTheaters.com. Uh, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And recently, we also started up our TikTok account. Oh. So go check us up there. Um, I have a, 
a great woman named Angela. She is our social media manager there. She does a great job keeping everyone informed of what's going on. And also just take a look. We have a lot of things going on there and on marcusleaders.com, or you can sign up for our loyalty program, which is our Magic Movie Rewards loyalty program. And we send out a ton of different stuff every single week to keep you updated on what movies are going on and what's going on in a Marcus Theater. So check out the Magical Movie Rewards program as well to keep up with it all. I will agree. I've got my Magical Movie Rewards <laughs> card right there. Don't leave home without it, people. That's what I always say. Uh, Brett Hoffman, always a pleasure to have you on. We'll talk to you in just two weeks. We'll see ya. See you soon. Thanks so much. There he goes. And I want to make sure we let everyone know this is our one-year anniversary being on the air here at KTRS. Uh, We've uh, been doing this now on this radio station for a year. So thank you to the fine folks at KTRS, to Matt Dorsey and Josh and everybody who gets us on the air here and keeps us on the air here. And, of course, uh, we've got a bunch of shows coming up next week. Jim Pittock, if you're a fan of Best in Show, uh, huge actor, prolific, has been in a lot of different stuff. We're going to talk to him about a new book that he's got out next week. Stay tuned for Max on Movies tonight. He's got Rick Waitman, keyboardist extraordinaire, work for Yes, Bowie, uh, Elton John, and he's got his Uncharted film review there as well. And thank you, as always, to Joey V for making this show look as good as it does. If you're watching us right now, make sure you hit the subscribe button on YouTube and Twitch. And uh, if you're seeing me in glorious color, it's all because of Joey V making this show run as well as it does. Thank you again to Lenore Zan, and thank you to Brent Hoffman. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you look when you make him and throw references. That's a show. Thank you, Gotham City. Good night. Hey, kids. Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us. Before going on Amazon, make sure to type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. It will look just like Amazon.com, except it'll say referral geek to me radio up top. And then when you check out, a tiny percentage will go to support the show without costing you one cent more. So before your parents get you that gizmo, gadget, or widget, make sure they type in bit.ly slash geek to me in the web browser. Bit.ly slash geek to me. Bit.ly slash geek to me.